Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! (laughs) Welcome to The Internet Says It's True, a show where we learn something new every week. Part of the WCBE podcast experience. My name is Michael Kent. Thanks for listening. I hope everyone's having a great January. Things are going well here. I turned 43 years old last week, and I did a few shows over the weekend. I just wanted to say please stick around this week for the ads, which we'll get into about halfway through our story today. I know it's easy to skip through the ads, but we've got some new advertisers, and I would love if they turned out to be something that you are interested in. Also, a quick plug for the Patreon. If you join the Patreon, not only can you be an official supporter of my work, which you can be a part of for only a dollar a month. Uh, I post all the unedited guest Zoom calls on there, as well as ad-free versions of the podcast if you're an ad-free person. And I just put up a video just now telling you some podcast recommendations. I try to put as much exclusive content on Patreon as I have time for. So go over and do that at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. I appreciate it greatly. Now, let's get to this week's topic. It comes from my good buddy, Josh. Hey, Mike. This is Josh Quillen from New York. How you doing, buddy? Uh, I heard a little thing about the Battle of Los Angeles during World War II. Never heard a peep about it. I think you should look into it. Hope you're well. See ya. Bye. Thanks, Josh. Uh, I have not heard about this at all, ever. Uh, And when I started looking into it, I was pretty surprised. And you might be too. In the height of the Cold War in October of 1962, security cameras at the Duluth Air Defense Center of the Air Force picked up an intruder climbing a fence. It was midnight and no one should have been in that area. The guard on duty shot at the figure and activated an alarm. Bases in the entire region were put on high alert that a Soviet attack may be underway. There was an error with the alerting system, and instead of the appropriate alarm for this type of event, a loud klaxon warning alarm blared at every base. This was the sound that told them to scramble the fighter jets carrying nuclear warheads. The fighter pilots ran to their posts and started their jet engines. But an officer appeared, racing his truck down the runway at the jets. He was flashing his lights and laying on the horn, keeping the jets from taking off. He had reviewed the security footage and investigated the area. The fence of the base did have an intruder. It was a large black bear. There have been several close calls and false alarms like this throughout history where the military sprang to action later to find out that there was no actual enemy attack. This story is about one of those defensive actions that took place in a huge way during World War II. It happened on February 25, 1942, in the city of Los Angeles. Just two days before, President Roosevelt had held his fireside chat with the nation about the progress of the war. This war is a new kind of war. It is different from all other wars of the past, not only in its methods and weapons, but also in its geography. It is warfare in terms of every continent, every island, every sea, every air lane in the world. That is the reason in his address, he reassured the American people, but was blunt with them about the scope and seriousness of the war. Pearl Harbor had been attacked just two months prior, and while Americans gathered around their radios listening to their president, something else was happening in the Pacific Ocean off the coast of Santa Barbara, California. While Roosevelt was delivering those words, a Japanese Imperial submarine, I-17, surfaced and began shooting five-and-a-half-inch rounds into the Elwood oil facility near L.A. 
Pearl Harbor had shocked the nation, but now the Japanese had began to attack the mainland United States. For 20 minutes, the submarine fired at the coast. Hardly anything was hit, no one was injured, and the damages totaled around $500. But the blow that was struck was a psychological one. The Japanese had seven submarines in the waters off the coast of California, and now the nation would know about it. Fear struck America. Cities on the West Coast issued blackout orders to their citizens, mandating that all lights be extinguished at nighttime to prevent the Japanese from air attack. This was taken seriously by most, but not by all. In Seattle, for example, when a few businesses didn't adhere to the blackout order, a mob of 2,000 citizens showed up to bust out their lights. People in California were scared for what they feared would be a land invasion by the Japanese. The state sent 500 United States Army troops to protect the film industry in Hollywood and nearby factories. And this brings us to February 25th, the Battle of Los Angeles. The United States military in Los Angeles started a counterattack on the Japanese. It started at around 3 in the morning on February 25th, but there was no enemy. They were firing at ghosts, and I'll tell you more about that after a few quick messages. There was a time that humans used 100% organic products as healing balms and moisturizers for their skin. Well, I've partnered with an awesome company that wants to get back to those times. Fatco sells organic and responsibly made tallow-based skincare products. For centuries, humans used tallow in skin moisturizers and healing bombs, but unfortunately, the topical application of these fats seemed to stop around the same time that animal fats stopped being considered part of a healthy diet. A lot of modern skincare products do more harm than good by stripping your skin of its natural oils. Let's change that. You can try them out now at fatco.com and get 15% off your order by using my promo code INTERNET. Go to theinternetsaysitstrue.com slash deals for the link. I love a good old-fashioned, quality bourbon, natural ingredients. When it's done right, it's just perfect. Well, I found this company in booze. They make natural ingredient cocktail infusions with fruits, herbs, and spices that help you create a drink at home with your favorite alcohol out of ingredients that you know and trust. It's actually a pretty easy process too. You just buy a kit from InBooz, whether it's the red wine sangria infusion or the spicy margarita. Then you add the infusion to your own alcohol and then you let it sit, you let it infuse for three days. Then you're ready to party with a natural flavor, amazing tasting cocktail. You can also find recipes for mocktails if you're not an alcohol drinker. Go check out all the infusions they have to offer at inbooze.com. That's I-N-B-O-O-Z-E.com. And let them know I sent you. I've also put the link on my deals page on my website. When the pandemic hit, I decided to create a weekly talk show online called Joke Story Trick Live. It started small but ended up huge with 45 live episodes, celebrity guests like U.S. Congressman Mark Pocan, comedy writer Bruce Valanche, and actor Larry Hankin. I've put them all on my Patreon for you to watch whenever you'd like, and the best part is they're available at all levels of membership. That means whether you're paying $10 a month or $1 a month, they're all there for you to watch. Not only that, but by joining, you can watch each week's guest interview of this podcast. I take the video from the raw Zoom call with no edits, and I just put it up there every week. You can join now starting at a dollar a month at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. Just type in patreon.com slash Michael Kent, my name, 
I can't wait to see you there. It's been getting colder lately, so it's been time to wear my favorite fleece jacket. It's made by Scotty Vest, and I love it because it's got a pocket for everything. It's perfect for traveling around and holding all my stuff. And when I say it's got a pocket for everything, I don't just mean it has a lot of pockets for no reason. Every pocket has its own functionality. Like there's one for my sunglasses that has a built-in lens cloth, and there's a pocket for my phone that has a clear plastic window on the inside. And there's a pocket for a wallet or passport that has RFID blocking technology. I'm not really sure what that is, but I think it's important for like passports. Anyway, Scotty Vest is a clothing company I believe in, and I'm confident they've got something that you'll love. The best thing you can do is take a look at all the awesome pocket-packed apparel on their website. I talked to the founder of the company a couple weeks ago. He's the Scott in Scotty Vest, and we've arranged for you to get a special percentage off your order. To get that, go to my website, theinternetsaysitstrue.com slash deals, uh, or just go to the website, click the deals link. I've also put that link in the show notes. Now, let's get back to our story. It was 2.15 in the morning on February 25, 1942, when radar detected something in the air 25 miles off the coast of Los Angeles. Air raid sirens were triggered, and a mandatory blackout was ordered from L.A. all the way south to the Mexican border. Panic set in when radar contact with the object was lost. The coastal defenses were already on high alert, For the entire day previous, our Office of Naval Intelligence had issued a warning that an attack was expected. Throughout the night, every flare, every blinking light and sparkle was reported to the coastal defense. So when thousands of air raid sirens were now blaring, everyone thought, this was it. Mainland USA is under attack from the Japanese. Searchlights scoured the sky looking for what had been seen on the radar. At 3.16 a.m., the shelling began. The 37th Coast Artillery Brigade started shooting their 50 caliber machine guns into the night sky. This was followed by 12.8-pound anti-aircraft shells. Defensive stations in Inglewood, Santa Monica, and all throughout the Los Angeles area were firing into the night sky. One report noted that the air over Los Angeles erupted like a volcano. Anti-aircraft guns went into action against unidentified aircraft in the Los Angeles area. Shortly after 3 a.m. Pacific wartime this morning, the anti-aircraft guns began barking during a blackout ordered by the 4th Interceptor Command at 2.25 a.m. The unidentified object, which some sources thought might be a blimp, moved slowly down the Pacific coast from Santa Monica and disappeared south of Long Beach. Finally, an hour later, the all-clear signal was given and the shelling stopped. The American forces had fired 1,440 rounds of ammunition, but had hit nothing. No bombs were dropped. No planes were hit. None were even spotted. The entire thing was a false alarm. That doesn't mean the barrage, which came to be known as the Battle of Los Angeles, didn't have tragic consequences. Five civilians died in the attack. None of them died from gunfire. Three were killed in the panicked car accidents on blacked-out streets, and two died of heart attacks. Property damage from the falling shell fragments was significant, perhaps worse than the damage caused by the Japanese submarine the previous week. There were many reports after the fact that attempted to justify the attack. Some said that there were enemy submarines with the capability to launch airplanes. We didn't know it for sure at the time, but this was a technology that Japan possessed and would use later in the war to attempt a a failed attack on Brookings, Oregon. Some said it was a Japanese attack blimp. 
Others thought that Japan had secured secret air bases in the middle of a California desert or perhaps in Mexico. Those who were inclined to believe in UFOs claimed that a huge flying saucer appeared in the sky that night. And this was fueled by a famous photograph of the incident showing searchlights illuminating a patch of sky. When it was retouched for the newspapers, the convergence of light appears to look like a floating blob being fired upon. Paranoia was at an all-time high, and sadly this is indicated by the internment of more than 110,000 Japanese-American citizens in camp that followed shortly after. It's understandable to imagine the fear that citizens were feeling at the time, but history is the judge of whether or not their ensuing actions were appropriate. In the case of the Japanese internment camps, I think just about everyone agrees that it was a huge overstep, and to put it simply, wrong. After the war, Japan came out and said unequivocally they did not launch an air attack on Los Angeles on February of 1942. And we know that because we now know the truth of what happened that night. In 1983, the Office of Air Force History released the official report of what occurred to set off the radar. It was never a Japanese airplane. The simple story is this. It was a weather balloon. The internet says, the government says, it's true. Now it's time for the part of the podcast where I call a friend, and today I'm calling Meadow Perry and Daniel Greenwolf. Meadow is a bubble magician and musical theater actress from Philadelphia. She tours nationally with her unique and original bubble magic show. Daniel is a Celtic magician who incorporates Irish history and mythology into his performances. Meadow and Daniel, welcome to The Internet Says It's True. It's nice to have you on here. It is a pleasure to be back. This is my second time. Yeah, Daniel has been on before, uh, and this is Meadows' first chance to be on the show. Uh, And you're both hanging out in Philadelphia today, is that correct? Yep, uh, we're working on some magic stuff at my place, and uh, so yeah. Awesome. (laughs) Meadow, if you have not seen, go follow Meadow's TikTok. Uh, The most, the craziest bubble magic, I don't even know how to describe what you do. You call it bubble magic. But that does not do it justice. Uh, it's just stuff with bubbles that you have never seen before, like putting smoke inside of bubbles and making bubbles join with each other. And it's, it's just absolutely crazy. Um, Daniel just goes in public and paints his face green. That's basically all he does. It's about as, it. I mean, we're a kill. Very strange. Very strange. I don't understand why I get paid for it. But, you know, it's fine. So you're on the East Coast, but we're our story this week is on the West Coast. So for the first question, we're playing for a joke. If you get it right, I have to tell a joke. If you get it wrong, you'll tell me one. Here's your question. Which one of these describes the event known as the Battle of Los Angeles? Is it A, it was a battle fought between the city's pest control companies and a pervasive rat problem? B, it was a ground-to-air attack on an enemy that the military thought was the Japanese invading California, or C, it was a brawl at Dodger Stadium between Dodger fans and visiting Angels fans. That sounds, that sounds, like, that sounds like a thing that baseball fans Uh, would do. It does, but, like, B sounds more legit. That's my problem. Like, I'm almost concerned, (laughs) because I feel like for L.A., legit answer may not be the way to go that's, i don't know that's but, actually a pretty good rationalization uh the yeah fact like that, it's too a, 
But A is like way out. Like, I feel like A is no more way. East Coast thing. I feel like East Coast, <laughs> we have the rat problems. And like New York owns pizza rat. You can't like That's suddenly. That's true. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna go B. You go B. I'm gonna go. I mean, I, you're you're the I am I am the the I am the side piece <laughs> guest host. Okay. Guest guest. So I'm gonna say B. So I, we're gonna I, default I, to Meadow and defer to Meadow for it was a, a air attack on an enemy that the military thought was the Japanese. You are correct. That is the right answer. The Battle of Los Angeles was a battle that never even really happened. It was an hour of our military shooting anti-aircraft weapons into the night sky over the coast off of Los Angeles uh, because it was basically a big false alarm. There was a weather balloon, maybe uh, it was carrying a flare. We're not exactly sure the details of it, but it was a weather balloon. And they thought that it was the Japanese invading with airplanes. And they were on high alert because a lot of stuff had just happened. This was two months after Pearl Harbor. And just two days before this, a submarine did surface and shell the coast of um, Santa Barbara. Didn't really do any damage, but that just had happened. So people were freaking out at this point. Yeah. Well, the submarine was run by Dodgers fans. That's, that's where the that's why you were thinking. Yet. Yeah, it was that's Dodgers it. fans. Oh, yeah, there were there were Angels fans on the on the shore waving I'm at sure, them and taunting. Yeah, it's a whole, yeah. It's a okay, mess. I have to tell you yeah. a joke, and so here is your joke. Why does the Omicron variant make a bad criminal? Why? Because it's so easy to catch. Uh, no. See, what I did there was I took an old joke and I made it new. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. Just, just like, just like Omicron. Just I'm an old thing. An old thing and makes it fresh. That's right. Exactly. I'm nothing if not current. Yeah. yeah. Just, it's a little bit different, uh, a little bit more annoying and doesn't hurt quite as bad. Question number two. For this question, we're playing for a story about something that's embarrassing that's happened to us while performing. So if you get it right, I'll tell you one of mine. If you get it wrong, you'll tell me one. Here's your question. Two months prior to the Battle of Los Angeles, Pearl Harbor was attacked by the Japanese. They sank four battleships, killed more than 2,300 Americans. That date was December 7th, 1941. How long after the attack did America formally declare war on Japan? A, one day later on December 8th, B, two weeks later on Christmas Eve, or C, one month later on January 5th? I was just, I was so young then when that happened. <laughs> uh, I, but I don't know, I don't know if they called it like so soon after. I mean, I that like seems was, like it. I feel like it was Christmas. That was Christmas Eve? I think I remember that being a thing. Were you thinking the of, textbooks. Are you thinking of that or are you thinking of the beginning of the play Rent? So that was Christmas Eve. <laughs> that was another. Okay, doesn't matter. December doesn't matter. Yeah, see, <laughs> that might be might be what you're thinking. I don't know. I don't know for certain. I was maybe I'm maybe I'm a little more gay. Maybe. I was thinking rent, so that might be it. Um, I don't know. I, we gotta pick something. Gotta pick something. I don't know. I, I'm gonna go with Christmas. Wanna go with Christmas Eve? Yeah. Yeah. You're Christmas go ahead, Eve. boss. You you're were right saying the first time. B. Two weeks later on Christmas Eve. Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, the answer is A. <laughs> One day, One day later, later was it? December oh. 8. Yeah, as soon as, basically oh. as soon as, as the British um, government heard about it, they immediately just said, yeah, we're at war with Japan now. It was oh, wow. one day later, uh, the day after the attack, that Roosevelt delivered his famous Day of Infamy speech to a joint session of Congress. And that was a speech that was calling for the formal declaration of war on the Empire of Japan. There it is. So I'm anxious to hear if you have a, a story about something embarrassing that's happened to you while performing. Either one of you. Um, 
I do actually. Uh, I'll, this I'll happened, do a quick one too if you this want. This happened. Yeah. It, this is quick. It happened this last year. Um, I was performing in Brooklyn. It was in Brooklyn. Yeah, I was performing in Brooklyn, and um, I was doing my bubble scarf dance, as we call it, um, tango de bubble, we call it. And I was wearing this dress, and I didn't think about the routine that I was going to be doing ahead of time. And the dress had a really high slit, <laughs> so it became an extra uh, fun oh. thing as I'm dancing with the bubble and trying to keep it from getting away. I'm also trying to keep myself from flashing the audience <laughs> who was also below me because it was like an elevated stage. So they yes. were below me. So it was, yeah, it was a little embarrassing. Wow. <laughs> I was like, I, and I didn't realize it until I got to that part of the routine of like, Oh, I've made an error. <laughs> You can find that video on Meadows Patreon. Um, That's right. It's for the top tier fans. Yeah. Yes. They have yeah. different angles of yeah. that. Yeah. How about you, Daniel? My, mine, mine was also, mine was embarrassing, but not because of a, of a clothing error. Mine was uh, just complete. It was our first day of performing at Six Flags, New England. Um, my, my wife and I, uh, Belle and I, were doing what's what we call Guardian Angel, uh, but what might more commonly called the, the substitution trunk, where you get a trunk, someone goes into the trunk, you put a cloth over it, someone stands on top, you lift it up, you switch places. It's an old classic of magic. We had been practicing this. We had done this before, done this a bunch of times. It's our first show at Six Flags, which for us was a big deal because it was, you know, if you're not from the East Coast or you don't know Six Flags, giant amusement park, very, very popular. So I'm the one who goes into the box. She puts me into the bag. She ties the me into the bag. And I'm going inside the, the box. And then as the music is playing, she realizes the exact same time I do that we never took the curtain out onto the stage. And the mm -hmm. curtains is wraparound curtain that you have to put over the box That's to untie and do all these things. Yeah. So I'm in a bag, in a box, about to go in. We both realize there's no curtain. So with the music going, she opens the box back up, unties me from the bag. I get out and we're just playing the music or getting the curtain madly trying to get it over it is this whole giant process i had to have the tech person like restart the music oh and you just you just own it at that point yeah. you just own it and be like you know what everybody has those days and, uh -huh. and we just did it it went over well but i felt like such an idiot those are, like, just hearing I, about it makes me hot like i get hot you know, like, <laughs> right? like just right? that type of thing i have those yeah. those nightmares where I'm about, I'm halfway into the routine or, or, you know, too late to stop the routine and realize I have not set any of the props for that routine. And, and then you're, mm -hmm. and I've had that happen in real life too. So yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. not just a it's nightmare. Not. Well, <laughs> you are uh, one for two so far. Here's question three. And for this question, we're playing for a coveted, the internet says it's true sticker. These are three inches square and they're sticky. And the only other way to get one of these is by joining the Patreon. I send them to everyone who joins the Patreon. You get a whole pack of stickers. Uh, it's just a, you know, it's a fun little thing. And, and I appreciate people sticking those on things and telling people about the podcast. Now, our story this week centers around attack from Japanese during World War II on the West Coast. But similar stories happened on the East Coast. Uh, I had mentioned during the story that there were blackouts up and down the, the West Coast. Well, that also happened on the East Coast because of the threat of German attack. So... These similar stories happened with the threat of German U-boats. One German U-boat sank off the East Coast in 1945 and was discovered in 1991 by divers. This is a multiple-choice question. Where was it found? A, was it 100 miles off the coast of Florida, 
B, 500 miles off the coast of North Carolina, or C, 60 miles off the coast of New Jersey? If, if it's New Jersey, no one would notice <laughs> in the ocean. They'd be like, oh, there's more True. garbage in the ocean. That must be New Jersey. I feel like 500 miles off the coast of North, did you say North Carolina? North Carolina. North Carolina. I, I just, I, I, like I tend to go in the, the middle range because that's the safe option usually. I don't I'm, know if the Germans felt the same way. I don't know. The Germans definitely <laughs> matter didn't go the safe think. option. What matters is what the Germans think. Exactly. What do the Germans think? I, we should, why, why did we ask that question more often? The, I feel are like the so Germans many... more likely to be 100 miles off the coast of Florida, 500 off the coast of North Carolina, or 60 off the coast of Jersey? I think they're 60 off the coast of Jersey. I think they're just, I, I, for me personally, I, mean, I feel like they're very, they're very precise. I feel like the Germans, they understand. They go, that's Jersey. And you know what happens? I bet you they got all the way to Jersey. Then they got to Jersey, said, ah, and then they went back. But by that time, they were already I mean, getting sunk. Just thank God you do Celtic magic and not German magic, because that was a terrible accident. Well, I am. I know it was. I know. I'm aware. I'm aware. And if anybody from Germany who's listening to this right now or watching this, I just want you to know deeply, I apologize um, to you um, and your schnitzel. So there you go. It's very good. Yeah. Uh, so what do you want? I think, you think? I think maybe we'll go with with that. Try that Jersey? sounds good. And what the heck? Yeah. All right. We're going to, we are going to say we're locking it in uh, 50 miles. 50 miles? 60. Off the coast of Jersey? 60. 60 it was 60. 60. And oh, 60. Okay, I'll say 60 miles. It's a good thing that uh, Meadow, that you trusted Daniel this time because you are correct. It was 60 miles off the coast of New Jersey. They found this German U boat. Uh, and here's the interesting thing when they found it, they wanted to know how it sank. It turned out this German U boat uh, it torpedoed itself. So it oh, no. fired a torpedo, which accidentally went in a circle. And came back, and wow. uh, yeah, that's that's how that sunk, and it's still there. So it's apparently still a thing that divers go and look at occasionally. Even blowing themselves up, they're very precise. I'm <laughs> very impressed. Good job. All right, uh, you're you're two for three. You're doing well. Uh, now let's move on to question four. For this question, we're playing for a video, and here's my idea. You're a bubble magician, Meadow. You do amazing things with soap and water, and. Uh, if you get this question wrong, you've got to make a short video for social media. Maybe you're talking about bubble magic, but inexplicably, you call them bibbles through the whole video without mentioning why. <laughs> Just a normal video, but bibbles the whole way, and you don't mention why, as if it's 100% normal to you to call them bibbles. Okay. It's so funny because my auto corrects. It corrects bubbles to Bibles all the time. To Bibles. Bible magic doesn't sound That's very amazing. It is a very, very, very different act. All right. So <laughs> if you get this one wrong, it's a video about Bibbles. Here's your question. One of the most famous false alarms in our military history happened on the morning of November 9th, 1979, when Jimmy Carter was told that NORAD analysts had witnessed hundreds of nuclear missiles being fired at the U.S. It turned out to be a mistake, which was discovered just before the U.S. launched a counterattack. From what country did NORAD think the missiles were launched? A, Canada, B, China, or C, the Soviet Union? I remember the documentary about this. It was called War Games. It starred Matthew Broderick and... I don't think that was a documentary. Um, <laughs> I feel like I feel like it would be Soviet Union. Well, of course. I mean, I mean, of course, you would think that seems like the obvious that, one. Yeah. Something again. I don't know. This guy wants you to do bibbles real bad, I know, so I think I know. they can throw that in there as because everybody thinks Soviet Union around that time, right? right. You know, nobody expects I mean, an attack from. No one expects Canada. Nobody like expects that. Canada. If I was going to attack America, I'd do it from Canada. 
right? Because no one knows it's coming. No one, no one. You knows. can technically be arrested for having said that. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me just say, if okay, let me rephrase no, that. There to was the an people if. of Canada, <laughs> to the people of Canada, I would like to tell you at least you're not from Jersey. So there you go. There's to my three Canadian listeners. Uh, <laughs> yep. I'm so sorry. I'm so very sorry. It's okay. Um, what do you think, Canada, China, or the Soviet Union? Let's pick one. This of them. is hard. It's tough. It's I'm going to end up saying bibbles. Um, you're going to say bibbles. <laughs> I don't know. You're right, though. The can the Canada one is definitely like the. It seems so the, awkward because it seems like if they're going to get it wrong, they might as well get it really wrong. Right. Like, like I bet you it was right. from Soviet Union. They would have probably pushed go on the counterattack before it even started. That's my opinion. Like they were like, oh my god, like it's already let's go, boom, because they just knew it was coming. But Canada, they're like, Canada, can we double check that? I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just being. I don't know either. Oh, I can't decide. We haven't. You know, uh, we didn't put China on the list. It's the first time China has not been on the list as even possible as a tax. China's pissed off at us because they're like, "We can do it." What's up? Um, I don't think China's allowed to listen to my podcast. Oh yeah, it's oh, probably true. Probably. That's probably true. Propaganda. You are. You you are. I mean, for all intents and purposes, you are capitalist propaganda at its finest. This is right. I don't know. Um, uh, pick something. Uh, Soviet Union seemed obvious. Yeah. Canada seems not obvious. Yeah. You want to? Just because it's ridiculous. I love Canada. <laughs> I like it. I like this. It's Canada. ridiculous. You're going to say, hey, Canada? Engage. Canada. Yeah. I cannot wait to see your Bibbles video. <laughs> Who was it? What was it? Is the Soviet Union. Um, <laughs> it was the obvious. It was, it was the obvious. I, I double do crossed I you there. I did the little, you know, the little reverse, the little reverse yeah. double yeah. cross. Uh, and so you'll be making a video talking about Bibbles, and I cannot wait to see this on uh. your social media. Uh, a lieutenant colonel at NORAD headquarters was given access to the wrong machine and accidentally punched a war games tape into a missile warning component. Uh, that the system couldn't tell the difference between the drill and reality, so everyone thought that there were hundreds of nuclear missiles being fired from the Soviet Union, and they did double check. So, um, yeah, it was. I, I, it was the documentary was starring was, Matthew yeah. Broderick. It's a real. <laughs> it was a real thing. Zbigniew Brzezinski called the president early in the morning and said, uh, "You know, we're being attacked," and then he called back and said, "Just kidding." So. <laughs> <laughs> that's great wow i did not expect you to get that one wrong i'm gonna be honest um i am really <laughs> excited about this video question for the record i should not i to, to I admit like i don't you have you guys any... might have conspired together we did, I, 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 might have, I might have talked you out of it very easily i, I, I mean, might have wanted to see the bibbles video knowing that it was soviet union <laughs> well we've got uh, one more question you have gone two for four at this point and this last question is for all the marbles. So if you get this wrong, I'm banning you both from the show, never to be asked on again. And for this one, I want two answers, one from each of you. So if you can keep the, the answer somewhat brief, um, that would be better. I'm, I've been struggling with anxiety lately. I think one of the things that helps take away the power that anxiety has over us is to talk about it. I think that's important. And so right. I'm happy to, to talk about mine. Um, my last question to you is this. What's something that you do personally to help you when you're when you you're feeling overwhelmed? Okay. Uh, well, in a performance aspect, uh, I I do I do this thing I call flip the script, um, where if I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous, I'm so nervous, change I change the word in my brain to I'm excited. So that's one thing I do to help with anxiety. Um, the other thing I do is I take a lot of baths and do spa days. I pamper myself and that helps calm down any anxiety and stress that i have awesome how about you daniel meth 
No, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. The method that I use is what I went to say. Um, I would say, honestly, I'm so I'm a third degree black belt in Tanksudo, which is a Korean martial art. It's, uh, it's actually the older cousin of, of Taekwondo. Um, and I, I love training. Uh, and so if I'm feeling particularly anxious uh, for whatever reason, I find that with Tanksudo, you know, I've learned I've been doing this thing for my pretty much since I was about four years old. So to be able to take those those things that you know, this is how they're done. I know what a, you know, I know the first steps. I know what I have to do to do these forms or these, whatever. So by doing that, and maybe I just take some time and I just go through some of those forms or I go through some of that stuff that I know there's no question. This is how it's done. Sure. This is how I'm supposed to do it. That brings me back to a, a place of, okay, I have control over this. Okay. And I'm not perfect at it, but I have this control. You, you are, you're cultivating out. a, an illusion of control. Exactly. Yes, exactly. That's fantastic. Both of those are right answers. You're both welcome on the show anytime again. Uh, go check out all of their work. Meadow Perry, where would you like people to find you? Uh, they can find me at meadowperry.com. Um, I'm also on all the social medias, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Not sure what I'm doing there, but people seem to really like me and my bubble magic. So. That's awesome. How about you? Very what magic? My bubble, my, my bibble magic. Perry. <laughs> how, about, um, how about you, Daniel? Where, where should people find you? Uh, you can find me at Daniel Greenwolf. I am also on all the social medias. I've not been on TikTok nearly as much as I should have uh, because some people just, they do, do so much better at it than I do. Yeah. Meadow's oh, yeah. killing it on TikTok. I, I get on there and I try to do magic and nobody cares. And then I make a voiceover video and it gets like half a million views like right away. And I don't understand how, I don't understand TikTok. I don't, I don't know the TikToks. I don't, I don't get know. it either. I yeah. do like a super complicated bubble thing. Yeah. Gets like no views. I just bounce a bubble up and down and gets millions of views. Yeah, that one did amazing. Yeah, it was, it's, yeah. Been, it's been pretty fun to watch. So go check out yeah. Meadow and Daniel. Thank you so much for being my guests. I hope that you have a fantastic 2022. Well, that is all for this week. Thank you so much to Josh for the topic and to Meadow Perry and Daniel Greenwolf for being my guests. Here's a kid who's never been to Los Angeles. Thank you for listening to The Internet Says It's True. Don't forget to join up on Patreon if you want to see the unedited video of the guest appearance or to hear bonus episodes. You can do that at patreon.com slash Kent. Also, if you learned something that you didn't already know from the show, please visit iTunes and leave us a review with five stars and a few words. That's the rule. You gotta do it. That helps us a ton because that's how the algorithm works to get the podcast suggested to more people. And that way we can keep learning something new if the internet says it's true. The internet says it's true. We'd like to thank the Patreon subscribers whose monthly contributions help to make this show possible. Sean Brown, Catherine Morgan, Bryce Swanson, Eugene Anderson, Matt McVeigh, Jim Martin, Joanne Martin, and the show's official Emperor Kick Track. The show is written and produced by me, Michael Kent. The theme song is by Finite Music Forge, and additional music this week was from Kevin McLeod. All audio clips in this episode are used for education and commentary and used under Fair Use Title 17 USC Section 107. You can listen to past episodes by searching for The Internet Says It's True wherever you get your podcasts, and you can see bonus content at patreon.com slash Michael Kent.